Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This episode is sponsored by Try Vegan, a vegan meal home delivery service that is nutritious and delicious and makes your life easier. Based out of New Jersey, they deliver throughout the Northeast. Check out more details on their website, tryveganmealprep.com. And you can get 25% off your first order with the promo code LITYOGA. So go vegan. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Friday with Friends. Today, I have the great honor to have a returning guest with me, Dr. David Ward. We spoke in our original episode about his work in cognitive decline and how it's preventable and the work he's doing that helps with that. And we talk more about that today. He is a licensed doctor of chiropractic and a board-certified athletic trainer with a master's of science degree in sport health science. He's completed extensive postdoctorate education with a focus on functional health. You know I love that. And he uses this approach that includes teaching lifestyle-based strategies for the restoration and maintenance of health and prevention of disease. He is specifically focused a lot on cognitive decline and is a certified recode practitioner of the Bredesen Protocol, which is a comprehensive personalized program designed to support brain health for those at risk for cognitive decline. So today we talk about how his program and this idea of cognitive decline is important for everyone. You might have someone in your family that has had Alzheimer's. So you might be more at risk or you might have the genetic propensity for that. You might just be worried about getting older and losing you know, your brain function. Dr. Ward has so much breadth and depth of knowledge. And more than anything, I hope you feel empowered after listening to this podcast that you just like how you move, how I teach, how movement is very important. It's not just the act of moving, but how you move, how you live your life, what you eat, what you drink, um, how you stimulate your brain, how you take care of the ecosystem that is in your internal body. All of those things can give you the superpowers for preventing cognitive decline. So please enjoy my talk with Dr. Ward today. 
Welcome, Dr. David Ward. So great to have you on. I had you back in podcast 447, and you've even accumulated more knowledge and information that you're going to share with us today. So welcome back. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be back with you, Laura. Well, let's just launch right in to what you have uh, shared with me is recent research about preventing and reversing cognitive decline. Of course, this is something everyone is interested in. Uh, it's probably one of our top three biggest fears besides dying itself. It's is, is dying with uh, no idea who we are. Uh, but there's many stages along the way. And I, there's also a lot of confusion about cognitive decline. And I think talking to an expert like you is so important because you are actually doing the research, involved in the research, healing the research, and then sharing that. So can you share with us the, the recent research about preventing and reversing cognitive decline? Sure. Uh, well, just to um, uh, recap, um, I am trained in a program uh, that's known as RECODE, R-E-C-O-D-E, -E, an acronym for, acronym for reversing cognitive decline that was developed by a neurologist named Dr. Dale Bredesen out of UCLA where he actually figured out what the underlying cause of Alzheimer's is. And the theory of Alzheimer's that is predominated is that you accumulate this pathology, uh, this group of proteins in your brain, and it causes your nerve cells to die and your brain basically shrinks and you lose function, in particular, the area of the brain where the memories uh, are stored. What Dr. Bredesen figured out is why you accumulate that protein. And it's all just like everything else with chronic illness. It's an uh, interaction between genes, lifestyle, and the environment. And in particular, he found uh, specifically 36 different items or factors that would cause you to go down this route where you build up this protein and you, your uh, brain function declines. So um, in, on July 4th, uh, his first clinical study, it was a pilot study, so it was a small what we call proof of concept trial, was published in the Journal of Alzheimer's Disease, which is huge because that's the first time that um, a, a study like, uh, like Dr. Bredesen's work was published in a mainstream Alzheimer's journal. And what they found in this study using this approach, this RECODE approach, was that um, people with diagnosed mild cognitive impairment, which is known as pre-Alzheimer's, 84% of them improved their cognition. There has hmm. never been a study that showed that. Every drug trial that's ever been done, the only positive aspect of those was that the decline slowed more than if you did nothing. But it was still a decline. You still ended up going down that route. With Dr. Bredesen's work, this is the first time we have actually seen a reversal of cognitive decline. And the vast majority, as I said, 84%. Um, and another really exciting aspect of it was uh, brain volume actually increased in these study participants as well. And typically, even in someone that doesn't have a cognitive issue, your brain volume decreases by about 1% 
per year. Um, and in particular, the part of the brain where the memories are, uh, the hippocampus, same thing, somewhere in the neighborhood of 1% per year. We actually showed in this trial that, that the participants increased the volume of their brains. So it would make sense that if these people already had mild cognitive deficits and they improved, that if we, who might not yet have those, went ahead and implemented them, we would not only improve our brain mass or, or at least prevent it from you know, shrinking, but we in fact could prevent that cognitive decline. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. And, uh, and that's really you know, where the focus needs to be is- Prevention. Is yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the pathology that leads to Alzheimer's starts in most of us in our 40s. 20 years before symptoms start to show up. And so um, what, what Dr. Bredesen likes to say is uh, just like everybody uh, is recommended to get a colonoscopy at around 50 years of age, everyone should get a cognoscopy, an evaluation of their cognition in their 40s, especially if they have a family history of Alzheimer's disease, because um, Alzheimer's disease because the genetics are such that only about less than 5% are directly related to genes, that means it's 95% lifestyle, meaning preventable. Amazing. So give us an example. Say there's two 40-year-olds who mm -hmm. both have the genetic uh, connection or, or uh, propensity to go down some kind of cognitive decline. Mm -hmm. And let's say there's, you know, they're both males or both females or whatever. What would be a lifestyle that would lend itself to more cognitive decline, like in participant one, versus a lifestyle of participant two to prevent that cognitive decline? So that people know, like, not only what they should be doing, but what has been shown to create those proteins you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, well, what we know is, is that it's basically uh, inflammation, um, toxins, infections, um, those kinds of things, you know, the, the lifestyle factors that are the same things that cause autoimmune disease, by the way. Um, they are the things that, that cause you to build up the amyloid. So, for example, um, amyloid, this, this protein in the brain, has been referred to as an antimicrobial peptide, which means that it accumulates in the presence of viruses. And actually, if you open up an amyloid plaque in someone who has died from Alzheimer's, you'll see viruses in there. It also binds to metals, heavy metals. Uh, and so toxins are one of the most common reasons for driving up the amyloid. Inflammation, uh, so something, um, you know, um, Hippocrates said all, all disease starts in the gut. Um, and um, so if someone has gut inflammation, which is so prevalent, um, if someone has what's called a leaky gut, which is so prevalent, those things drive inflammation. Head injuries, even relatively mild, if there is such a thing as a relatively mild brain injury, um, they will predispose you. The difference between someone that has the genetic propensity 
the most common gene is called the ApoE variant. The one that increases your risk is the ApoE4. And so you can in inherit one from either or both of your parents. Um, and it increases your risk fairly significantly, but um, it doesn't predispose you. What we know is people that have the ApoE4, they are really good at turning on inflammation and not very good at turning it off. So they have a propensity toward more inflammation. They bode well against infections, but they tend to have more chronic inflammation. They tend to be better fat burners as well. And so things like a longer daily fast, which we recommend for someone that has ApoE4, has been shown to be beneficial. Um, you have to be a little careful about uh, fat intake with someone with an ApoE4 because in some people who are predisposed, you can actually increase inflammatory cholesterol. So that would work against you from eating healthy fats. So, and, and the key is, and I, I know you'll love this, plant-based. The key is a plant-based, yeah. high fat or relatively high fat diet. So um, as much plant-based as possible um, with, with an emphasis on he healthy fats. Uh, and there are other things, you know, the way you exercise can be impacted by the ApoE4, et cetera. But those are the, those are the primary things. Right. So you could say a person who is more inclined to have cognitive decline is walking around in an inflamed state, whether or not they're aware of it or not, probably eating this, the typical American diet, maybe snacking a lot on top of that. So they're always kind of got their sugar level, you know, not having that fasting um, reset that you're speaking of, maybe couch potato, not working out too much. And, and would anything about, um, I know this is, th these are all the environmental factors, but how about the activation of curiosity and, and, and reading and, and taking in new information, um, what what kind of research is done on on that kind of aspect of co of preventing cognitive decline? Sure. Uh, well, um, clearly, brain stimulation is healthy for the long term survival of the brain, and so anything that stimulates brain. Uh, like I have a very good friend of mine who's a physician, who he's my age, sixty four. He just started playing the drums. And so he's learning a new musical instrument, uh, learning a new language, uh, you know, anything that stimulates your brain like that. Uh, crossword puzzles, Wordle, you know, all of these different things. Um, but there's actually research that shows that people that read regularly also have better, better brain function. And it's, it's got to do with what's called cognitive reserve. And cognitive reserve is basically how much gas do you have in your brain's tank? The, the more filled your tank is, the further you can go on your trip, right? So it's, it's the same thing with brain function. The more you can stimulate the brain, the more you do that over time, the better your long-term prognosis is. And that was clearly demonstrated in what's now referred to as the NUN study. I know that study so well. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And so that was one of the big things that came out of there. You know, 
nuns that lived to a ripe old age with tons of these amyloid plaques in their brain, but no, no sign of cognitive decline. Across the board, they tended to be uh, people that spoke more than one language, did more lifetime brain stimulation. Yeah, they they were devoted to God and the pursuit of higher knowledge. Yeah. And then they donated their brains and their brains were significantly or the dendritic synapses, the complexity of that was so much more um, than other people of that age. I love that study. So it sounds like it's kind of twofold, but the most important thing, even if you're doing all that stuff, which is great reading and crossword puzzle and learning, but the ecosystem in which that is being uh, you know, f- fertilizing, you have to have the good, strong base. And that's going back to all this, like what's happening internally. Yeah. So there is, you mentioned autoimmunity and, or, or that people uh, that, you know, say have diabetes or, or leaky gut, some of these um, celiac disease, these are all forms of autoimmune diseases. Does that is that a factor that it makes you more likely to um, have cognitive decline? Yeah, and and what's interesting about that is um, most autoimmune diseases have a component of cognitive impairment as part of their symptoms. Mm. Um, and in some cases- it's, Like foggy brain, yeah, for instance? Yeah, okay. mm-hmm. e- exactly, exactly, yeah. Uh, lack of concentration, uh, poor memory, um, yeah, exactly. Brain fog. And uh, so and and brain fog in particular, kind of a catch all term that we've all heard, but not all of us understand. Um, brain fog is a symptom of brain inflammation. And if you're inflamed in your body, you will be inflamed in your brain. That research is very clear and vice versa. So, yes, autoimmunity absolutely predisposes you to overall inflammatory conditions in your brain. Um, and, how, do, and how does one, um, how does one know they're inflamed? What are the, what are the tests and markers? So we're walking uh, around feeling pretty good, maybe a little foggy. How do we, how do we go and check that out? Yeah, we could do that with blood work. We could look at things like uh, CRP, C-reactive protein. Uh, For autoimmunity, very often we look at something called um, sedimentation rate. Uh, We can look at other markers like uric acid and fibrinogen, um, different things like that. Uh, Homocysteine uh, are all markers of inflammation that we can look at. We can also look at... uh, in particular in the gut with a stool test, we could see specific markers of inflammation in the gut as well. Mm, okay. So if someone was interested in starting off at, say they were working with you, are these, you, I'm sure you do a very vast uh, panel of tests to get an idea of, because again, we don't really know what's happening underneath the hood unless you do these testing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the baseline test includes some tests for autoimmunity, uh, in particular antibodies, for example, uh, Hashimoto's, uh, thyroiditis, um, and uh, and other um, uh, general autoimmune markers, but also a lot of inflammatory markers. So can you give us an example of a client, obviously not using their name or something, just kind of general specifics, somebody coming in, 
with what complaints, maybe not even having that much cognitive decline per se, but knowing this is in the family, because if everybody listens to our original episode, you reveal that one reason you became very, well, it was the reason you became interested in going down this path, you had a different career completely, is because of your own history and your own experience with your mom, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. So let's say you had a client come in recently uh, with any kind of complaints. Can you kind of talk people through what what you would do and, and what were what were some of the recommendations you gave for these particular issues? I'm imagining there's a lot of people out there who have some degree of brain fog, maybe some gut issues, um, fatigue, may or may not have some already existing autoimmune disease. Do you have anybody that's kind of fitting in that bucket of that you've seen lately? Yeah, um, uh, we we tend to get people, you know, two different types of people, people that are experiencing symptoms and want to reverse whatever their condition is. And then those that are perhaps not experiencing uh, symptoms, but are concerned. And that tends to be in that cognitive decline area where, you know, um, hey, my mom had Alzheimer's and I don't want to get it. Uh, I'm a little bit concerned. I want to look at, you know, how do I prevent it? And that's something that we hear all the time. And so we look at a, uh, for someone like that, we look at, again, we cast a wide net with laboratory tests and we look for their risk factors in basic categories. So we look for risk factors associated with inflammation, risk factors associated with nutrient or hormone deficiencies, um, toxins, infections, um, head injuries, different things like that. We'll look at all of those different components and we'll, we'll create a picture of what are the primary risk factors. And then we uh, help uh, people with lifestyle interventions we use health coaching as well as my work uh, with the uh, with the client, um, and basically it's it's nutrition, exercise, managing stress, optimizing sleep, stimulating the brain, uh, targeted dietary supplements to address any deficiencies that need to be taken care of, and then uh, toxins, which is becoming more and more of a big player. I was uh, just about to ask, like, I mean, there's so many directions we can go, but toxins, can you just briefly tell us what we should be looking for in our daily life that we are, that we can at least mitigate? There's obviously exposure that we can't uh, be in control of, but what, like, what do you do to, to help uh, unload some of the toxin load? Um, the, the simplest answer to that is clean air, clean water, and clean food. Mm -hmm. If you're addressing on those categories, you're, gonna, you're going to address many, many of the toxins. What we know is, for example, with autoimmune disease, only about 30% of the expression of autoimmune disease is genetic. 70% is environment. And so, we look at the lifetime exposure to all of these stressors that interact with our genes. That lifetime exposure is called the exposome, uh, and it includes internal stressors as well as external stressors. 
So it includes things like uh, sedentary lifestyle and, and uh, sleep disruption and unmanaged stress, but it also looks at things like heavy metal toxicity, air pollution. Um, big report just came out about these, what are called lifetime chemicals that are being found in the water supply. The EPA just said that there is no safe level for some of these things. Wow. And, and, so, and we know that they disrupt immune function. We know that they cause inflammation. So, you know, clean air, clean water, clean food. So what does that Do you that have mean? a water filter that you use yourself that you recommend? Yeah. Because the there's so I many out there. Yeah. The one I recommend is called the Berkey, B-E-R-K-E-Y. Uh, mm -hmm. In particular, it's the big Berkey. Um, that has been shown to remove uh, these forever chemicals, as well as heavy metals um, and a whole host of other things. But what's nice about the Berkey is it doesn't take the minerals out of the water. Um, okay. The other system that we typically recommend would be something called a reverse osmosis system, which typically needs to be either under the sink or a whole house system, but they tend to remove minerals, uh, you know, that can be beneficial. So I like the Berkey um, uh, as a, as a single, you know, number one preferred. And do you use that just for drinking water or the whole house system? Uh, I, I use it for, uh, fil I use filtered water for uh, drinking and cooking. I don't have a, a whole house system. Um, there, there is some arguments about that. For example, there's some suggestion that some toxins that can be in your water can impact you through your shower. Yeah. Uh, if but you it's a bigger investment pieces. for sure yes. to get a whole yes. house. System. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. The Berkey, the one that I recommend, it, it looks like a, um, a, a tabletop coffee dispenser. Mm, right. Okay. Uh, and they go about three hundred dollars. Mm, and okay. then you just need, you know, it's like it's like a lot of things, you know, you, you have to replace the filters. So that's where the ongoing expense is. But typically the filters last about six months. So it's really a cost effective and and uh, very, very uh, effective overall um, uh, filter. Got it. Um, so. In, we've talked about some environmental stuff. Um, let's talk a little bit about the the new information or, or what's going on with the coronavirus and and how it may activate pre-existing autoimmune susceptibility. Sure. What is your research um, telling you about that? Um, well, um, there is a lot of um, similarities between... Um, the infections that we see from uh, SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes coronavirus, and the viruses that activate either Alzheimer's or autoimmunity. And what happens is with SARS-CoV-2, it's, it's a really, from a scientific perspective, it's an interesting virus because it has what's called an immune evasion strategy. It has ways of, of evading the immune system. And uh, what will happen is the virus can damage some of the tissue and that damaged tissue then becomes a target for the immune system. 
Uh, and that's a very common way that viruses, uh, for example, in Hashimoto's, it's the most common way that viruses cause activation of Hashimoto's disease. So we're seeing a parallel with that. Um, and we're seeing certain specific types of immune profiles being activated. Things like um, uh, multiple sclerosis, Hashimoto's, lupus. Uh, we're seeing some activation uh, in some susceptible people, either that had an underlying susceptibility, but it hadn't manifested in full-blown autoimmunity yet, or it's a reactivation, and we see that. And then in terms of long COVID, we're seeing a lot of similarities between what's called ME-CFS, uh, which is the new term for chronic fatigue syndrome. It stands for myalgic encephalitis chronic fatigue syndrome. So chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia, both of which are suggested now to be auto autoimmune in nature we're seeing long COVID has a lot of similarities to those conditions. So again, is long COVID an autoimmune condition? Perhaps the jury's still out on that one, but overall, there is a lot of evidence that suggests, and it's even been referred to this way, that um, the SARS-CoV-2 virus is an autoimmune virus. Mm. So uh, what would be a long-term COVID? What are the what are symptoms of that? How would somebody know they have long-term COVID? So they know they had COVID, most likely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, and did they ever get they, over the symptoms or they got over them, but there was just some that remained? In, in some cases, they never get over them. In some cases, they got over the initial symptoms. So let's say like when I had COVID, um, uh, my biggest thing was fatigue, you know, uh, I, and it, all, it lasted for about a day. That's all. Um, and uh, I didn't have any residual symptoms other than I found that my endurance was a little bit lower. And so I, I couldn't push myself the way I normally would, whether it was exercise, whether it was my brain function, whatever it was. In a lot of people with long COVID, you'll see ongoing digestive problems, ongoing respiratory problems. Uh, it can impact the heart and, uh, and cardiovascular system in general. But one of the biggest things that we see are neurological uh, involvement long term. And that's where the, that you know brain fog, inability to concentrate, inability to focus for a long period of time. So, you know, you read for 30 minutes and you're done. You can't do any more. You know, those kinds of things are some of the more common long COVID symptoms. And is the thought that the treatment of that, the treatment protocol would be similar to the ones that you are putting out in your cognitive decline uh, programs? Would it be yeah. similar? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, the key thing with viruses is that um, you know, optimizing the immune system. And, and I think, you know, to get out my soapbox a little bit, <sighs> we have a big focus on the antibodies, right? The vaccines that provide the antibodies. There's a whole bunch of other functions of the immune system that are being neglected. neglected. And we know who tends to get worse COVID 
and we know what kind of what the profile is for people that get long COVID. And it's typically people that don't have an optimal functioning of their immune system to begin with. And so, you know, focusing on how do you optimize your, your immune system? Well, toxins, infections, nutrient deficiencies are your primary areas that you can focus on. Um, you know, all of us have viruses. The vast majority of people have Epstein-Barr, the virus that causes mono. You can't get rid of it, but you can prevent it from getting reactivated. And that's the key is ensuring that that the likelihood of, of these other viruses getting reactivated um, is low. Yeah. I mean, the, everything you mentioned there, like the people that are more at risk, it's like the lifestyle, the toxins. And why isn't this becoming more of a um, the first line of defense people are talking about? It's like really upending many systems that benefit in a way from being negligent, right? It's like the food system we know is terrible. There's so many um, pesticides and GMOs and, you know, like meat and dairy. And then the environmental stuff, the, you know, we know that this is all wrapped up in money. And so I agree a lot of this comes down to educating the public so that we can really let people have that empowerment back, knowing that there's a lot of systems in place that really benefit from people being in the dark. And I think that that would lead us into what you're doing, not only here with me, but that you've created this, uh, you started this new center. And I think obviously education is one huge pillar of it because when people understand that so much of this is in their hands, that they can prevent cognitive decline, and don't have to wait on some pharmaceutical drug that hasn't necessarily come come up with any really good results. I think that's really powerful, and that's what needs to be spread. So tell us what um, tell us all about functional healthcare at Intivita, which is the name of your place. And I'm so excited because it just opened in January, correct? Yes, yes, just opened in January. Um, Intivita, the name Intivita was uh, derived or influenced from terms in um, Old French and Latin to mean embrace life. Mm. And so that is our, our, our goal, is to help people to embrace life and live what we call a lifestyle of enduring wellness. I love meaning, that. Meaning that your, your ability to sustain optimal health and wellness over the lifetime. And so how do you do that? Well, you look at, you know, as, as we've been talking about all of those lifestyle things, because again, interaction between genetics, the environment and lifestyle is what causes all chronic disease. The specifics are different for every individual with every individual's, as I said, exposome, their lifetime exposure, to um, all of the things that interact with their genetics. So uh, we're focusing right now on the clinical side because there are so many people out there that are suffering with autoimmune conditions or cognitive decline. And you know, our, our goal with respect to that is, is education 
absolutely. And clinical care to help people to reverse those conditions. But we've also got a very strong focus um, that's going to be launched toward the end of the year on strictly education. So uh, programs that are gonna be mostly online initially for teaching people how to create a healthy lifestyle over the lifespan. Mm. Um, and especially, you know, as we start to get older, there's this thought that, you know, our health declines as we get older. And, and that's not necessarily true. Um, and so, you know, teaching people how to how to in, live a lifestyle of enduring wellness throughout the lifespan is our focus. Mm, that's wonderful. So as of now, do you have both virtual and in-person um, appointments? Yes. Um, for for clinical care, um, a, a prospective patient needs to see me in my office in Denver for the first visit. And I have people that I work with from all over the country, even uh, from Puerto Rico. Um, and, um, you know, after that first in-person visit, then everything else can be done remotely. Um, but it's important for me as a provider, I really want to meet you. I want to hear your story from you in person. I want to see the look on your face in person as you're telling me about the struggles that you've had. And, um, and, and you know, we have to create this relationship. That's what this is all about. That's one of the big things that conventional medicine is missing. And so after that first visit, we can um, continue to do our work remotely. I do have a lot of people that still like to come in uh, and see me in person. Uh, and so we are going to have group programs that are both in person for those that live in the, the Denver area, as well as um, as well as remote uh, uh, options. Now, in that first visit, besides getting to know each other, do you also is that where you do a lot of the testing? The, the actual the first set of blood work occurs prior to that. Got it. So the process starts with a, uh, a discovery consultation, which basically is, is either a phone call or a, a video visit where we, we I hear your story. I hear what you know, what you have going on. And we determine, does this look like it's a good fit? You know, this type of approach for you. Um, and then if so, we order some blood work at that point. And then the follow-up visit where we go over the blood work is actually in my office. Got it. And that's where we might also order um, uh, heavy metals testing, environmental toxin testing, mold toxin testing, which, which is a huge issue. Uh, all of these uh, you know, stool tests, all of these other more advanced tests would happen at that time as well. So this is really for anyone, even if they're in, they're 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 looking again to 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 age well and robustly, even if there isn't any major symptoms happening, as well as people who have uh, specific issues. So it's it's for anyone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, um, you know, so many of us have these underlying issues that we're not even aware of. What we know is that, in particular, with uh, Alzheimer's, and also with autoimmunity, the pathology starts long before symptoms. 
So for example, with autoimmune disease, you can have antibodies to your self tissue getting elevated 15 years before your symptoms show up, before you can be diagnosed. And that's one of the biggest challenges with autoimmunity is people will start to have symptoms and not feel well. And they'll have this collection of symptoms and they go to their doctor and their doctor says, well, you don't have a diagnosed autoimmune disease. But the pathology, the elevation in the immune response happens years before. And this exact same thing happens with Alzheimer's. So not waiting until there are symptoms, mm, but looking that. at what you can do today to identify what your risks are and taking steps in your lifestyle to make those changes. I love that. So where can um, people find you, Dr. Ward, to learn more about this clinic and possibly make an appointment with you? Yeah. So the website is entavida.com. That's E-N-T-A-V-I-D-A.com. And um, we have different pages. Uh, one is a functional health page. We have a page for cognitive decline, a page for autoimmunity. But on each page, um, if you scroll down toward the bottom, you can click on a link for a free discovery consultation. And as I said, that's about a 30 minute uh, either phone call or video appointment. It can be done from anywhere, um, you know, wherever you live. And that's the first step to, to have a conversation about, is this approach right for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and enthusiasm and education. And I'm so inspired because I think that I, I am like you. I think that age is a number. We have to, we should celebrate each year, but not assume that there's like a, a, an automatic decline and there's so much we can do and how amazing that is, how powerful that is, how empowering it is to know that we have um, a lot of the choices of how we age in our own hands. So yeah. thank you for spreading that. Oh, uh, my pleasure. I appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk about some of this work. Yes. So for everybody, make sure you check out Dr. Ward. And as always, I'm pulling for you. 